Good morning, Church on the Rock. I'm so glad you tuned in today. We're starting a new message series. I can't express how much passion I have for this subject. I'm unable to describe what I believe is possible if we will hear God's word and apply it over the next several weeks. I really believe that this can redirect the trajectory of so many of our lives in a direction that would not only be God-honoring, but that would really help us in making a better life. We're going to talk about habits. We all want good habits, but instead we do things like sleep in, we get into work late, we get home late, we yell at the kids, we eat or drink that one more when we should have stopped. Sometimes we find ourselves checking our email in the bed. So how do we break these bad habits and start making good ones? Is there not a simple three steps and everything will be all right? Sorry to say, but there's not. But there is hope today, and God's Word is full of it. I want to start today, I want to ask a question. Why do habits matter so much? Why do habits matter so much? You might want to write this down. Because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. You know, if someone's spiritually thriving and close to God, it's because they're consistently living the disciplines of God that are helping them get closer to the Lord. If someone's financially successful, it's because they're consistently doing things that other people are maybe doing a little bit or occasionally or maybe not doing at all. It doesn't matter if it's relationally or physically, whatever it is. It's all about the small things that lead us in a direction to better things over an amount of time. If you look at successful people in Scripture, you know, I'd start by saying, would anyone argue that Jesus and Paul were pretty incredibly successful, especially in pleasing the Lord? One thing I want you to note, something that Jesus never said. You can never hear Jesus say, I can't find time to pray. I'm so busy with all these disciples. Man, Peter's just wearing me out. The people get on my nerves. They don't give me two seconds to myself. I wish I had more time. I wish I could spend more time with God. Jesus never said that. What you see is a consistent, constant habit where he would break away from the crowds and he would have that intimate fellowship with God. You know, even Paul, Paul's another one that really pleased God. He did not make excuses. The scripture teaches us that he had a habit of going into the temple. And when he got to the temple, he'd share his faith with those who weren't believers. But he had that habit of daily and weekly going to the temple. Successful people, get this, write it down in your heart. Successful people do consistently, they do consistently what other people do occasionally. I like what Sean Covey said in a book I read. He said this. He said, our habits will make us or they'll break us. He said, we become what we repeatedly do. Think about that. We become what we repeatedly do. I think this is a good time of the year to talk about habits because you know the new year resolutions that we did in January, how many of you would say, ah, They've kind of got misplaced. Well, I was reading the other day, did you know that 92% of New Year's resolutions, that they're gone by Valentine's Day? And we're like, now it's in April, and we're like thinking, New Year's what? 
You know, in the Bible, in Romans chapter 7, when we go down that pattern or we go down that pathway, it's easy to end up saying what the Apostle Paul said. As you read it on your screen, you're going to see it one way, but I'm going to read it in, uh, you might say, a Brian translation. So as you see it on your screen, here's what I think it's saying. I don't understand myself. I want to stop eating junk food. I want to stop procrastinating. I want to stop overspending at Target, whatever it is. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what's right, but I don't. I want to do what's good, but I won't. I don't want to do that which is wrong, but I find myself doing it anyway. And then he does what so many of us do. He connects his failure to his identity to where he says this, oh man, I am such a miserable person. Man, I'm miserable. What a failure. I'm so undisciplined. I'm not becoming more like Christ. I'm not reaching my goals. What's up with me? But then you see that shift in scripture and he asks a question and he says this, who will free me from this life that's dominated by my choices that bring sin and that bring death? And he looks to the source then, the only one who can truly change him. He sees it and he looks to the, the, the source and he says this. I want you to underline this in your Bibles. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you could say, who can change us? Who can deliver us? Who can set us free? I'm telling you that he is our source. He's our strength. He is our healing. Christ is our hope. Christ is the one who can make all things new. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you're thinking. Jesus is the answer. And with Christ, all things work together for good. It says in Scripture that anyone who is in Christ, I want you to look at your wife and your kids and say, we are in Christ. Anyone that's in Christ is a new person, and the old is gone, and the new has come. My prayer through this series over the next several weeks is that we will experience all the life available to us who are in Christ and that we would live out the disciplines that lead to a God-honoring, God-pleasing, successful life. Again, because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Why is it, think about this, why is it that so many of us, we genuinely, we genuinely, we have good intentions. We want to, we know we ought to, but we just don't do it. We fail at it. Well, today we're going to look at two reasons, and we're going to pick up with a third reason next week, why good intentions don't seem to be enough. Today, number one, number one is this. You might want to write this down as something you can talk about later. Number one is this. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. I want to say that again. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on the action that we want to do or we want to perform or we want to accomplish, but we just don't know how to get there. Think about it. I'm looking at Braden and I'm looking at Josh and, and I'm seeing you through your, your TV screens. You know, almost everybody has similar goals. We, we basically all want the same things. 
Most of us want to be healthy. I don't know anybody saying, my goal this year is to live dangerously and to have high cholesterol, high blood sugar, and to be obese. Most of us want to be free of debt. We want to be generous. We want to be able to do those things that, that we would like to share in, with our families. Nobody says, man, I wish they would raise my debt to 19 to 20% interest. Most people desire good relationships. We just want to have community and relationship. And I think we all, or you wouldn't be listening today, we all want to grow closer to God spiritually. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Most of us, we have similar goals. We have similar hopes. But the results are dramatically different. Why is it, seriously, why is it that we can have similar goals and hopes but some people get results, and some people get horrible results. Some are achieving, and others are falling way short in some way, shape, or form. There's a book called Atomic Habits, and I would really recommend you to read it. It's by James Clear. It's Atomic Habits. He says this, Winners and losers, successful people and unsuccessful people, they basically have the same goals. You know, coaches, when you think about the football leagues that will be starting this fall, coaches all have the same goal, and the goal is to win championships. They're not up there saying, you know, guys, this year we're going to shoot for fifth place. It's going to be amazing. We can do it. They're not saying that. All the coaches are saying, we want to win a championship. In marriage, what do people want? We want to have love between our spouses and our kids, a blessed life, the kids happy. No one's saying, well, you know, my goal is to make it five, maybe seven years, and then divorce. I don't think so. Similar goals, similar goals, but dramatically different results. Why? Why is that? In the book, he goes on to say, goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. Goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. And next week, we're going to talk more about that. Goals alone don't get us to the end of our desire, but systems in our life, they determine our long-term success. In a direct quote from this book, he said this, you will never rise to the level of your goals you fall to the level of your systems. Again, I want to say that again. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. If you read the Bible through the lens of that thought, there's so many examples of successful people that had godly systems and godly practices, and then you also see many examples of people that were unsuccessful because of a lack of practices and good systems. If you want to copy someone who really stood out and really did well on this, it would be Daniel. And you can read the book of Daniel and see this. But I want to ask you, why was Daniel more successful in comparison to everybody else? Because they all wanted basically the same thing. But when he was amongst his peers, he stood out. He stood out as godly, as wise, as gifted, as talented. He was different. Why was it when he was thrown into the lion's den or he was thrown into prison, why was it that he was able to stand strong and to trust God and to be unwavering and whatever circumstance that he was in, he came out on top. 
He came out alive from the lion's den. May I say it's because he had systems, he had practices in place that led to a life of faith and faithfulness. Well, what was his system? You know, his system is Daniel made up his mind. He had years and years that he had predecided that three times a day he was going to stop everything and spend time with God. He determined that God was going to be first in his living. If you want to grow in your faith and you want to be more faithful, you won't rise above the level of your goals. You will fall to the level of your practices. If you have systems and practices that build your faith and they strengthen your knowledge and they strengthen your intimacy with God, then you'll become a person that you want to be and that others want you to be as well. Here's the mistake I, I think that we all tend to make. We, we, we're like, I want to change the results. I want to, I want to, I want to, whatever it is. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to be a better husband. I want to be more organized. I want to pay off the credit card. I want to be a better mom. I want the kids to be better around the house. Whatever it is, the solution is change or make the systems that create those results that you want. I remember one time, me and Carmen, um, our kids were probably under 10 years old or probably under 12. And we was like, man, we can't even get, the, we can't even get them to take the trash out to the curb. And then we would find ourselves just yelling and threatening and taking things. And then all of a sudden we was like, hey, we need to show them what we're expecting and then show them how to do it, where we want them to take it, where we want them to put it, what we want them to do. And we found out that that system or that practice took away the, the, the tenseness in our home. I call this a power statement. If you want to write this down, if we will fix what we do, how we live, and the habits we make, the outcomes will fix themselves. Anyone interested in that? Anyone interested in an outcome or a future? that's peaceful, that's blessed, that's restful, that's enjoyable, that's happy, then we need to take and listen to that first point. The second reason that people give up and 92% of our New Year's resolutions fail is because of this. You might want to write this down. We don't see progress fast enough. We don't see progress fast enough. We all have done it. I, I, I'm the worst on that. I, I'm, like, I'm like, get up to 275 pounds, and I want to get down to 225 pounds. I'm like, walk on the treadmill, eat clean three times a week, and then I get on the scale, and I'm like, oh, I gained weight. How could this be? Or we think, man, I'll read my Bible, and I'll do that Bible app on version all week, yet I'm not seeing anything change really at my house. And then people, you young people that you have this huge college debt over your head where you're like, man, I owe $37,500. And you think, well, if I will just don't buy coffee for a month, I can save $100. I can save $100, and instead of $37,500, my debt will be $37,400. But then we get discouraged and despondent because we don't have it right now, right in the here and now. 
and we start thinking, man, I'm not even making a dent in this. We're not seeing those results fast enough, and we're making that mistake that small good decisions don't really matter that much. Today, in my opinion, this is the strongest thing that I want you to hear. So you might want to write this down. Here is a wrong conclusion. This is a wrong conclusion. Small good decisions don't really matter that much. That's a wrong conclusion. Here's another wrong conclusion. Small bad decisions don't really matter that much. So the wrong conclusion is it doesn't matter if it's small good decision or it doesn't matter if it's small bad decision. They really don't matter that much. And we wrongly conclude that, this, that the small God-honoring habit, the small faithful decision, the small positive action, it's really not doing anything. Or you could take the flip side of that, the not-so-good things. And some of the things we might do on this is, as a young married person, you might be like this. Well, I'm going to play this video game three hours. I'm hanging out with my friends. I, I'm not talking too much to my wife. And, and man, I know she's really torqued at me right now. I know she's really upset with me right now. But we let it go because we're like, well, she didn't leave me over it. I played video games three hours and she was torqued, but she kind of forgot about it the next day, so we think. Or maybe we start skipping church or time with God or our Bible, and we're like, hey, I, I skipped a week. My, my, world didn't fall apart. my world didn't fall apart. Nothing tragically happened to me spiritually. And you think, see, I'm okay. It's all right. Or you eat that third box of chocolates or you go grab those chips and slam the carbs or you, or, or you eat that popcorn or whatever it is and you're like, I got on the scale next day. No apparent change. So we wrongly conclude that small bad decisions hasn't impacted my life that much. And we conclude, we conclude this, that small good decisions don't really move the, the, the needle all that much. And we also conclude that bad decisions don't move the needle really that much. And we miss the truth of what is truly impacting our life in a massive way. And that is, and that is this power statement, and that is this. Our life is the sum total of all the decisions that we're making in the now. Who are you today? Who are you today is a direct result of every single small decision that you've made along the way, good or bad. They all matter. They all add up over time. It's almost like compound interest on a bank loan. It just keeps compounding and compounding and adding up and adding up. Small decisions in the here and now, the bad decisions, they rarely wreck our lives all at once. But it's a little compromise here. Cut the corner there. Fudge a little bit here. Lie a little bit there. Bend the rules here. Step over the line there. And then one day you wake up and you're like, how the heck did my life get so screwed up? How did my life get so messed up? What happened? The damage was not done at one time. We did one small bad decision at a time followed by another and another and another 
And that compound interest gives us the, the life that we don't want to have. Then you take someone that's really crushing it. Remember I said basically people want the same things. Well, why are some people crushing it in their marriage and others aren't? Why are some people crushing it in their finances? And why are some people crushing it in, in life and, and job and different factions of life? Why are some people crushing it? And they're actually living that life that you want. And you're like, how do they do that? You're like, what's going on here? What's wrong with me? What are they doing? The answer is they didn't get there all at once. It was built on one small good decision at a time. It was a moment of self-sacrifice, of small discipline, done again and again and again. The effort that was made in the secret place of prayer and fasting and communion with God or, or, the, or the time that, that they had to make that tough, difficult decision and they couldn't let human compassion kick in and they had to have a tough conversation or do something really hard. Or maybe it was the early mornings, the late nights, the grind and the faithfulness, the patience, the perseverance, everything it took for them to get to that certain point. See, the people that aren't living that life, they don't see it. It's invisible, so they don't understand it. But the one that is having success, they understand it. But you know, it was one small faithful decision after another. The successful person knows that it was one small faithful decision after another over a period of years and decades that led them to the place that everybody else wants to be. I want to tell you something today. Your good decisions are not wasted. They're stored up. Trust me, this will happen. When you add a God-honoring discipline and another one and another one, and you're generally faithful, I know sometimes we mess up. We don't get it all right, but we're generally okay. You may not see the results instantly, but I want to tell you the temperature is rising. Your faith is rising. Your actions are being stored up. And at some point, I promise you, there will be a tipping point, And it will become obvious that you're now in shape that your now college debt is gone, that you now have no debt, that your marriage now is better. You, have, you now have a degree. You're now making a difference. Whatever it is, you now live your life with no fear, no dread or anxiety now. But when that now is being built is when people just, they want it too fast. People will look on to the person that's having the now that you want. They'll look on and, and they'll call you. They'll be like, man, you're an overnight success. But how did they do that? I'll tell you, they have no idea the private sacrifices, the faithfulness, the consistency, the overcoming of your own self-doubt. You're failing. You're starting again. You're feeling like you wanted to give up. They have no understanding of the tears where you were praying and seeking God, the times you were enduring criticisms or setbacks and hopelessness. The people that aren't having success have no idea, but you know, you know it's the things that no one sees 
that have brought the results that everyone wants. It's invisible. People don't see it, but you know it. You know it. It's that one small decision at a time. You know, I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said, let us not become weary in doing good. In Galatians 6, 9, that's written, and I think it's in NIV. Yeah, I'm reading it out of the NIV. He said, let us not become weary in doing good, in making those good choices. Let me give my translation of that. Let's not become weary in honoring God, in doing what's right, in doing the right things. Let us not become weary in living by a budget, spending our money wisely, not spending it foolishly. Let's not become weary in counting calories or getting up 30 minutes early to run. Let's not, let's not become weary in getting up early while everybody else is sleeping to seek God. Let's don't become weary in going to the gym and eating clean. Let's not become weary in practicing God first living. Let's not become weary with our work or our business that you're building. Let's not become weary in raising godly kids and honoring our marriage partner. Even when it doesn't look like it's doing anything, even when it looks like there's, it's hopeless and it doesn't look good. And I close with the end of that scripture. For at the proper time, for at the proper time, can we trust God with time? So at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that our people will have a tenacity and they'll have an I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Lord, I pray that in every circumstance, in every situation, I pray that we will apply this word and we will not give up and we will reap a harvest. God bless you guys. We love you.